You're listening to a River Life Fellowship message. We hope this message encourages you and enriches your life. For more information about us, visit us at riverlifefellowship.com. Okay, um, I'm going to disrupt your life this morning. And I've called and got permission, so it's okay. Uh, everybody get your stuff, because you're going to have to take it with you. Get your stuff. If you're in this section over here, get over here. If you're in this section over here, get over here. And in the middle, y'all swap sides. Okay? And I'll explain this to you in a minute. And I need... Uh, I need I need Bradley, Bradley, and uh, Ray, and uh, Nolan. Well, that's okay. That's fine. Okay. All right. Yeah. I know. All right. Where's Nolan at? Okay. Let me ex- uh, when y'all get quiet in a second, I'll uh, explain something to you. Good night in the morning. You guys sat down in the exact order that you were in. Are you guys are pitiful? Ah, Lee. Mm. Y'all. This 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 section right here, y'all got it. Y'all are in bad rut. I want to tell you, you in bad rut. <laughs> yeah. Let me let me explain to you why I did this, uh, and I I won't do this every Sunday. It was just just one time. Um, the Lord um, is going to open a door that's going to be different to you, and. Uh, he wants you to, to practice right now change and difference so when that door opens, you won't get offended because it's going to be so different to you. You understand what I'm saying? Doesn't that sort of stuff offend you when somebody says, now get up and go hug three people? Yuck! <laughs> but he, he, he wants you to change and be willing to change. He's not changing. He's just revealing more of himself, which becomes changed to you. Is everybody following what I'm saying this morning? Are you, are you okay? And listen, it's going to be great listening to Byron from a different angle. Everybody that was over here has always looked at Byron this way. Now you can look at him this way. <laughs> All right, I wanted to pray for these guys right here. And they're uh, Bradley's... Uh, little brother, because I, I, I felt like the Lord was is calling these guys to be fathers in the church, and uh, and 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 in uh, in the natural, uh, that doesn't seem reasonable. But I, I'm 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 this this boy right here, his name was Chasen, and he changed it to Bradley. But I promise you. His name is more real today than it was when he had it. Because God, that boy, the Lord chases him constantly and, and, and uh, uh, stays with him. You know why he does that, Bradley? Because he loves you. Because there's something in you that excites him. Isn't that neat? Ooh, 
those guys. Amen? Amen. Now I'm messed up. Y'all got me all messed up here. Um, Tim's over there. (laughs) I have to keep my eye on Tim. Oh, Lord, Lord, help us. Uh, um, um, I've been, you know, last week I gave you a message about witnessing. I call it the lost art of witnessing. I give these titles because now Tony demands that I give him a title of these messages so he can put them on the internet. But, uh, came out of John chapter 4, the woman at the well who had this profound encounter with Jesus. And out of that profound encounter with Jesus, a whole town got saved. There was a revival started. And, um, but I also wanted to talk to you a little bit more about John 4 today. And uh, So if you could open your Bible to two places. Open it to John 4, hold your finger there. And uh, also open it to Genesis 18. Uh, and just, uh, you know, we'll read some of this, but in the context of this conversation, if you really look at the context of the conversation between Jesus and the woman at the well, the context of it was, was worship. That was really what the whole conversation was around, was about worship. And, uh, and so in this conversation about worship, this woman had this experience with the Lord, which, you know, changed her life, and then, of course, went into the town, and the whole town got saved. So I believe worship, you know, is, is you know, is, is equivalent in one way in, in another sense of it is a powerful tool, a powerful weapon that God has given us just like witnessing is a powerful weapon that God's given us. We don't normally think about worship as a weapon or, or something like that that the world needs, but the world really is, the world desires worshiping Christians. Um, I really believe that if, if the church would become a worshiping church, that the world could be impacted by the church in a big way because God's created us all to worship. And, uh, but yet, this is the truth. We come to churches, and churches have it on their sign, worship service. You know, I mean, you know, 1030, we're going to have a worship service. And I even made Tony get that out. You know, we had on that worship from 1030 to 11. I said, take, take that in preaching from 1130 to 12. Take all that off. I don't want that on there. Because I think we come to worship... We come to church to come to a worship service, but I'll tell you, I don't believe many of us are really worshiping. And, and I'm not talking about just us, I'm talking about in the church as a whole, is that we, we supposedly are, are coming to worship, but do we really worship? Do we really worship the Lord? And um, I think 
We don't even know how to worship the Lord sometimes. We've gotten so confused in all that we've done in, in the church you know, about worship that um, in the way I felt in my own life, in all my spiritual pursuits, it seems that I've lost worship, what real worship really is. In all the pursuits of God, of losing worship, losing the real focus of what Christianity is really all about, is about worship. It's about worshiping God. And all that we do, sometimes we lose that. Even in our singing, even in our, in, in even other things that we would consider to be worship, like the giving of tithes and offers, uh, the Lord's Supper, all these things that really are, you know, symbolic of worship, we may not be worshiping Him. In our highest moments, we may not be worshiping Him. You hear what I'm saying to you this morning? So uh, worship is a challenge. I believe to the most spiritual person in this room, the most spiritual man on this earth, I believe worship is a challenge. So what I really wanted to title this message is The Challenge of Worship. I mean, because that's what worship I have found in my life. I have found worship to be a huge, huge challenge to me when I really sit down and really think about worship. Um, so what I've done is I want you to look over and hold your finger there in John 4, and let's turn to Genesis 18. Are y'all with me this morning? Y'all ain't mad yet, are you? See if we can make you mad. Yeah, if y'all get mad, if y'all got mad, just blame it on Chuck. Don't be mad at me. Let me just read Genesis 18 too. Sometimes this, this uh, thing here is a hindrance to me. I've tried to, you know do this thing right, but it's a hindrance. Like, this was a real hindrance for me to try to put this these, this down on here that would make sense, because I just want to just jump out, but I'm going to restrain myself. Genesis 18, 2. So he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. This is Abraham, okay? Three men were standing behind by him. You know who, who those three men represent, right? The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Just, just for your information, that's but that's back in the Old, Old Testament. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground. Um, you know, the word worship in the Old Testament appears 170 times, and that's the first time it appears right there in the Bible is where it says bowed. That word bowed is the same word. That word is translated worship uh, in, in, in other places. In the, I'm talking about the Old Testament right now. So out of 170 times, this is the very first time worship is actually mentioned in the whole Bible, which is significant. Uh, there's a thing called the law of first mention. Uh, and theologians know this. This is a legitimate thing. It's the, when something is first mentioned in the Bible, it, in other words, it is setting the standard for what it means until somebody else in the Bible, like Jesus or Paul or somebody else in the Bible, changes. Is that, would that be a right interpretation? In other words, when it, when it says, it set, the first mention sets it until it's changed later in Scripture. And worship is never changed later in Scripture. So the first, it's the law of first mention, is they translate it bowing. They bowed, he bowed before the, uh, the, the three men Abraham did. Okay? Uh, so here we are. We got God created man to worship. Okay? Now everybody has been created to worship. We need to get that in our hearts. And everybody in this room, everybody in this world is bowing to something. Now that, that's the truth. Whether you believe it or not, you're a worshiper. You're worshiping something or you're worshiping somebody. Amen. It's true. 
And, the, and that's why worship, worship is challenging, because we're worshiping something or somebody, somehow. Because God created us to worship, and we are going to worship. You hear what I'm saying? So I listed them. Number one, the first challenge of worship, worship is challenging because above all things, it is the truest indicator of who or what we serve. Now that's challenging. It is, it is, it is the truest indicator of who we serve or what we serve whatever you're giving your worship to. And you may not bow down before, let's just use a, you know, wore-out example. You may not bow down before dollar bills, you know, and give homage to dollar bills, but your actions may prove that you are very much a worshiper of money. You hear what I'm saying to you? And worship is a challenge to us in that sense. So you can read the Bible, you can go to church, you can be a missionary, and still be serving yourself. You hear what I'm saying to you? You can do all these things outwardly. All these things outwardly. That look like, man, that person really loves the Lord. That person's really doing it, doing it right. But really and truly, you could be doing it all for you. To satisfy something in you. Worship is a great divide. It really does divide what's really right and what's really not right in Christianity. Are y'all with me? All right, let's go back to John, John 4. Let's read verse 24. We'll just stay in John 4 just a, just a couple minutes, just to get a few challenges. I've got seven challenges of worship. There's probably 700, but I'm not quite smart enough to get 700. I could only get seven. Uh, that's, that's interesting. All right, John 4, 24. I'm jumping in the middle of this. This is what Jesus said. God is spirit, and those who worship him must, not can't, maybe, should, or possibly could, but must worship him in spirit and truth. All right, number two challenge about worship is challenged because there is no other area of our lives to ask us, ask of us what worship asks for. See, worship is asking for you to do something that nothing else asks you to do. Okay? And that is, worship of God requires us to do something from our spirit. And there's nothing else in this life that requires us to do something from our spirit. So we're, God's asking us, I want you to do something that you don't do something with this thing every day. Okay? Are you with me? I mean, even your closest relationship that you have on this earth between a man and a woman is not done in the Spirit. It's done in your flesh, right? Your marriage. It's not a spiritual thing necessarily. It's first, you know, even the marriage covenant is a fleshly covenant. So worship's asking something even greater than that relationship. And see, we're, you know, that's why it's a challenge to us. Because we don't really, we're not necessarily living from our spirit. We're not drawing from our spirit. So God wants us to worship from something deep, deep down inside of us, and we don't even, we're not even in touch with that thing deep, deep down inside of us. So He's asking you to do something you don't know how to do. I mean, if He asked you to come in here and saw a piece of wood with your hands, probably everybody could pull it off if you handed them a saw. Right? Are you with me? So that's worship is a challenge because it, it must come, real worship, true worship, must come from your spirit doesn't come from your flesh, doesn't come from your soul. That's, is that not challenging to you? I'm hugely challenged by it. Because just because a person gets up and jumps around and sings some songs, that doesn't mean they worshipped. Or just because a person who sat still doesn't mean they didn't worship. You hear what I'm saying to you? John 4, Becky's telling me to hush and go on. All right, John 4, verse 5 through 7. 
Now, he came, so he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to him, came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. All right, this is another challenge of worship. Worship is challenging because worship starts with what God wants, not what we want. You hear that? Worship is challenged because worship starts with what God wants, not what we want. Um, now, Mark, this, this is the example. Mark, in Mark 12, verse 1 through 9, there's a, a parable. And the parable is about these vineyard workers. The Lord said a man owned a vineyard, developed the vineyard, and left it to some people to take care of the vineyard. And, of course, these people started killing off every servant or beating the servants and finally it says they killed their son and of course we know who that vineyard is and we know who that son was it was Christ uh, but basically the, the, the parable was to warn us not to be like foolish vineyard workers who ha- listen to this and I want y'all to get this one I want, I want people in this church to get this one they had to have the personal presence of the vineyard worker or the vineyard owner in order to obey that, that was the only way they would obey what he said to do. He had to personally be there for them to do what he asked them to do. And when he wasn't there and he sent somebody in his place, they beat the fire out of him and run him off. And they finally killed his son that he sent to them. Now, as far as worship is concerned, concern, worship is something God expect, expects from us no matter whether we feel his presence or not. You hear what I'm saying to you? Whether we feel God's presence or not. You see, God is not offering us an option about worship. He's not saying, I only want you to worship when the music just hits that perfect note. I only want you to worship when you just feel it. Are you all with me on that? And you say, worship's challenging. That's why worship's challenging. Because God expects us to worship if we come dragging our carcass into the house, beat beat to death from a hard day's work. He still expects us to worship. And that's a challenge. Is it not a challenge? That's a challenge to me. Uh, And this is another thing. This woman at the well was a messed up woman. You know, it goes on and talks about she had five husbands and she was living with a guy in sin. So she was what you would call a very dysfunctional person. And uh, Jesus didn't come and say, how can I help you? You know? He, he didn't say a word to her about her needs. And see, that's what we do. We come together, we come before the Lord, and we're looking for, God, I need help, God. And Jesus said, give me a drink. That's what he says to her. You give me something first. I'm first in this deal. Are you all with me? And I believe the water speaks of worship here. In fact, I can show you in a little bit, the water is just the whole analogy that Jesus is trying to do to illustrate a spiritual truth. If you study water in there, he's really talking about worship. He's just using a natural thing because this person couldn't see spiritual things. And that was what was going on. Jesus was saying, give me a drink. Give me worship. That's what you've got to do, lady. You want to get out of your mess? You come and worship me. You come bow to me. But we come to, to the Lord in, in, on a personal level. We come to the Lord on a corporate level. We're, we come in beat to death looking for God to do something for us where God's saying, no, I want something first. And that makes worship a challenge because when you're beat to death, you need help. Amen. Right? Amen. I do. Amen. Worship is not about us being blessed or having our needs taken care of. Although, as we worship, those things happen. Amen. As we worship, those things happen. But that's really not what the whole point of it is. 
because the Lord loves to, you know, do stuff as He's being worshipped. Y'all with me? All right, that was the... Let's read uh, verse 9. I'm just jumping around here. I know y'all know this big story. Uh, verse 9, yeah, it says in 8, the disciples had gone away in the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who, it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would ask him, and he would have given you living water. All right, let's read verse, go ahead and read 16 through 24. You know, some things happened there. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come, and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you, whom you now have is not your husband. Is in that you truly spoke. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worship. Now see, she jumps into this thing. She's starting to pick up something. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So the next challenge of worship, number four, worship is challenging because we confuse a church experience as being a worship experience. We think just because we come to church and do all this stuff that we do in church that we've worshiped the Lord, and we're confused about it. It's not really the truth. We try to get from church... Okay, what only worship can give. People are trying to draw something out of this church experience that church was never meant to give them. So we try to get this out of church, and so we get frustrated because church can't give us, church can't satisfy that thirst that we have in us that God has placed in us. It's not meant to. Only worship can satisfy that thing that we're thirsting for. So we get frustrated in our spiritual life because we're trying to get something that we can't get because we're trying to get it in the wrong way in the wrong place. So we start turning to other things to try to satisfy that thirst. That's what the woman was happening in the woman's life. See, she was sitting here saying, hey, we worship on the mountain. But she was just, there was something in her that was tore up inside of her that she was craving and she was looking for it because she couldn't get it during her, quote, church experience. So she went looking, you know, with men. She's Try to get it out of men, you know. And she became very dysfunctional in her life. Uh, I think that's what happens to a person when they really don't ever enter into worship as a Christian. You will become dysfunctional as a person because you will start looking for it in other places. And over a period of time, you, you don't find it. The thing quits satisfying. You know, whatever you're doing. Okay? Now, water is to the body what worship is to our spirit. I think that's the point Jesus was trying to make there when he's talking about water. Water is to the body what worship is to our spirit. In other words, you can be, you can be slammed full of food and be thirsty and be not satisfied, right? You know, you ever been out in the yard working, sweating, just, you know, dried out? Did you come in wanting a steak? No, nah, man, you come in, I need a glass of ice water. I'm thirsty. Food is not necessarily what you're looking for. You're looking for something to satisfy the thirst that's in you. And I think that's what it is. And I think the church tries to fill itself. You can fill, you can be full of preaching. 
You can be full of teaching. You can be full of Bible study. You can be full of these wonderful things that God's given us. They're like food to you, but you can be dehydrated spiritually. And see, I think that's really what's wrong, honestly, with the church in America. We're dehydrated. We're pretty fat on the Word of God. I mean, honestly, if you're not getting good preaching and teaching in your church, you can always turn the radio on and listen to Chuck Swindoll. You can listen to the best preachers in America. You can probably listen to the best preachers in the world in a, from a prominence perspective in this age we live in. You know, we can get fed spiritually. We can buy books. We can, you know, we can get on the Internet and get fed spiritually. But we can't really do those things. You can't just read a book and get that thirst satisfied. So we're coming looking for something. Every one of you came looking for something this morning from God. If you didn't, you're crazy. I mean, why would you even come here if you're not looking for God? It might be an illegalism. You know, religion. Um, the, the Samaritans and the Jews filled their lives with their church. We worship in Jerusalem. That's how we do it. Oh, we worship over here on the mountaintop. That's how we do it. You know, that was their experience. But they were both missing. Jesus, the only thing Jesus said was, listen, the difference between you and the Samaritans is the Jews, between the Jews and the Samaritans, the Jews just happen to know who they're worshiping. Y'all don't even know who you're worshiping. We know who we are worshiping, but they ain't doing it right neither. They're missing it. You see what I'm saying? Anybody see that? Both of you are missing it. So here's what happened to a lot of people. Back in the day, they left, you know, back in my day, we got saved. We were, you know, hippie kind of people. So we left, we got saved, went to the traditional church, thinking, well, we don't want to do this. Man, this is dead. You know, who wants to do this? Let's go do something different. You know, let's have something that's lively. Let's have something that's real. So we went after that. And now, guess what they're saying about us now? Man, this is dead. We want something real. See, people are saying that about us now. You're not real. You're religious. We've become the religious thing that we rejected. It's because we wanted, there was something in us that wanted to really worship God. I wasn't looking for great Bible teaching. I wanted to be free in God. I wanted to be able to really worship Him and really express my Christianity. I didn't want to go to church where they told me, stand up, sit down, read this, read that, do this, do that. We didn't want that. That's what weren't the kind of people we were. But have we really we've become that kind of people? That's the problem with us. We've become what we've rejected. We have our own system. We have our own system. We've just, you know, over the years sort of progressed downwardly. That's my my belief. Um, moving on. Let's jump out of John 4 and go to Genesis. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? I mean, this is not a put-down. I'm talking about me. You know, I'm part of the deal here. Genesis 22. It says, uh, verse 1 through 2, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to, Abra said to him, Abraham, he said, Here I am. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. That's bad news. So worshiping, this is it, worshiping, worship is challenge, challenging because it is giving God your best stuff. Okay? That's what I say. It's giving God the thing you love the most. 
It's your best that God wants. He's after it. Okay? Now, worship actually comes from two words, worth and ship. Worth, W-O-R-T-H. It's like I've got a worth ship. That's how really what it really comes from, worth ship. Uh, what is God worth? When we say worship, we're going to worship God. We're saying, what is God worth? What is God worth? Abraham was faced with this question. Is God worth Isaac? God wants Isaac. Is he worth Isaac? You hear what I'm saying to you? Is God worth Isaac? I'm talking about your Isaac. Is he worth it? I mean, that's really what, that's why worship's a challenge, because God don't want just your, your, your second-hand stuff. He just doesn't want, doesn't want your leftover stuff, your used stuff. He wants the best thing you've got. He really does. And uh, so we struggle to give God money, right? Does anybody struggle or not struggle to give God money? Tell a lie. We struggle to give God money. How about time? Anybody struggle giving God their time? I don't have time to seek the Lord. My life's messed up. I'm too busy. Well, you know why you're too busy? This is, I've been giving everybody, let me just go ahead and give you the blanket counsel, okay? Because I've had so many people talking to me about, I'm just wore out, I'm too busy, I've got too many things going on in my life. Well, here's my blanket counsel. Well, you know, I think the way God designed our lives is God wants our first. And as we give God our first, that He'll make all that stuff work out for us. Well, I can't, you don't understand. No, I do understand. I have a busy life. I got a lot to do. But I believe that's the way what makes everything else work. As we give God our first, then He makes, makes things work for us. So we, we struggle to give God our money or our time or our talents because those things really are all worth something. And when you don't really give God those things when He asks you for them, then you're saying to, this is what you really are saying to God. Now, this is a challenge. This is what you're saying. God, my time's worth more to me than you are. Did you hear what I said to you? My time is worth more to me than you are. Now, you don't feel that deep down in your heart. You don't believe that your time's worth more, more to, to uh, you than God is. But if you're not spending time with the Lord, if you're not giving God your time, what is your life saying? You know what I'm saying? If you won't give God your money, what is your life saying? If you won't give God the, the talents and the things He's put in you, what, what is your life saying? You know, you, the Bible says you'll know them by their fruits. I mean, I, that's just the truth. I'm telling you the truth here. I'm not trying to be judgmental or critical. I mean, I'm facing the same issues in my life. Is my time worth more than God? Because sometimes I act like my time is worth more than God. Sometimes I act like my money is worth more than God. Sometimes I act like my talents are worth more than God. And I think we need to face those issues. Who's worth the most? Is it God or these other things? Well, I need to spend time with my family. Well, who's worth more, your family or God? I mean, honestly, which one is worth more? What are you doing with your life? How are you spending your time? How are you spending your money? How are you using your talents? That should tell you what you really feel is worth more. And when you really start looking at it, you may find a sad story. And I really am not trying to, trying to be difficult here. Just telling you what the Bible says. <laughs> now, Genesis 22, verse 4. Well, then it said, let me just read verse. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac and his, his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering, and rose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. 
He saw the place far off. This is a terrible thing about worship. Worship is a, cha- is a challenge because it's a journey. It's a process. Okay, it's not some instantaneous thing that happens happens with us. Okay, many of us see worship or hear worship from afar, but we never make the journey to worship. In other words, we love watching people worship, don't you? Don't you love to be where worship is happening? I do. I mean, I love it. But a lot of times, be honest with you. I'm not worshiping. I'm just enjoying what's happening around me. I'm enjoying the atmosphere. I'm enjoying the presence. You see, what happens with worship, it says that, that Abraham saw it from afar. He saw it. He heard something. And he went, went for it, went after it. And, you know, we have struggled for years, literally, like, Lord, there's something else that you want to do in worship. You know, every once in a while you hear this clamorous noise from heaven. I mean, that's what it's really. It's the most clamorous, confusing, jumbled mess you ever heard in your life. Isn't it? You hear this clamor. You hear like, man, that thing don't sound very organized. But you know that's real worship that's coming out of heaven. Now, I'm sure there's very organized worship in heaven, but there's disorganization in heaven. Because God's organization doesn't necessarily mean it's going to feel organized. It may seem disorganized to us. You see what I'm saying? And when I believe when, if, if the sound of heaven were to ever really be released in a full way, we'd be shocked at how clamorous it is, how disorganized it is. You hear what I'm saying to you? And we want everything to be organized and, you know, in rows. And, you know, again, I've used this illustration before. You go to my backyard, I plant some trees there in a perfect line. But you look at the trees that God planted in, in the back of my thing, and they are the most disorganized bunch in the world. You think, what in the world? So we come in the churches, we put tr- put the seats in a row, have a special, you know, X amount of space between them, X amount of space from front to back. That's the way humans are. But that's not the way God is. If God came in here, He'd make He'd have chairs sitting everywhere. They wouldn't be organized like this. It would be disorganized. But it's God's organization. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? And there is a sound from heaven that may seem foolish and clamorous to you in your flesh, but it's God. And I think God wants to release that to the church. But I think the day it starts getting released, it's going to mess people up a little bit. You've got to leave the familiar and the comfortable and acceptable. Okay? That's what you really got to do if you really want to worship. It's going to cost you to worship. It's going to cost you. You can't stay comfortable in worship. And that's what's happened to the, quote, charismatic movement. It got real comfortable where it was at. We like the way we do it. Just like the traditional church 30 years ago was real comfortable. And we said, we don't like the way you do it. We like it. We don't. We like it. We don't. We're not going to do that. We're going to do something that's not. So what we're doing today back then was like, man, it was cutting edge. You know, it was like people were judging, like that ain't that got to be the devil. You know, you can't have drums in church. I mean, that was all that stuff was going on back then. But today, everybody does it. Everybody does it. To me, it's like, man, I don't want to do what everybody else is doing. I want to do what God's doing. Who cares about what everybody else is doing? Let's find out what the Lord's doing today. He did that 30 years ago. I'm tired of doing stuff that that was God 30 years ago. It's not God now. Chuck made a good point. It's not that God changes us. God wants us to change. And I think in worship, God wants us to change in the church. And I, to me, listen, I'm headed for something different. I believe God has something different for us. So if you get uncomfortable with this little bit of things in here this morning, my goodness, 
you're in trouble. I think what God wants to bring is going to just upset the whole apple cart again. I really believe that. And the last one, verse 5, and I'll stop. But Isaac spoke, uh, verse 5, I'm sorry. It says, And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. This is the worst thing about worshiping. Worship is challenging because you're going to a place you cannot describe. And now, what, y'all, that, that word, I'm like, hey, where's, where's my car? It's out yonder. Y'all, y'all ever heard that term yonder before? Country people know that word. Hey, where, where's my shovel? It's out yonder behind the uh, storage building, Dad. That's where I left it. Out yonder. Okay, it's out yonder behind the storage. It's somewhere back there. It's not exact. It's not. It's over there in the left-hand corner, three feet on the northeast side where the sun... You know, that's the way worship is. It's an undescribable over yonder. We're going over yonder. Wherever, and that's what he's saying. We're going over yonder. Where's over yonder? Are you crazy? Abraham was a country guy. You know, he was a redneck. So it's not a particular song. It's not a particular style of music. It's not dancing. It's not being quiet. None of those things worship. That's the thing we've got to get in, our, get in. It's something, it's over yonder. And you know you're worshiping when you get over yonder. When it hits you, you know it. You just know it. I'm there. You know what I'm saying? I'm over yonder, wherever over yonder is. So here we are. This is what I'm saying. We are going over yonder. I don't know where over yonder is, but it's over yonder. How can you know? We want to go over yonder and worship. You hear what I'm saying to you? We want to go over yonder. I don't know where over yonder is. You know, we tried a few things we thought maybe over yonder didn't work. <laughs> it is a matter of the heart. And let me just give you this one last escape. You know, um, I love the way the Lord speaks to people, especially me. <laughs> huh? Yeah, you can, you can throw us off. I'm done. I want to just give you this word the Lord gave me. Anybody heard of a, of a group called Creed? Oh, man. Now, I, Becky found this CD in the backyard by this group called Creed. I never heard of Greek, Creed. Not Greed, but Creed. <laughs> but the name, of this, the name of the CD was uh, Human Clay. That's the name of the CD, Human Clay. She said, you ever heard of Creed? I said, no, I never heard of them. She said, I found this. I thought, man... It could have been Nikki Purcello or Josh Robert. These kids that walk back and forth through your yard all the time. You see them riding a motorcycle through your yard. Or it could have been Philip. You know, Philip. He's got all these CDs. And Or it could have been Aaron. You know, he's a big CD guy. He likes music. Um, but she said, and I was looking at it, and I saw the word, Are You Ready? as the name of the first song on it. I thought, I'm going to listen to this. Are you ready? And the reason I want to listen to it, for those of you who have a good memory, back in September I preached a message, and the title of the message was, Are You Ready? I thought, this has got to be the Lord. Are you ready? So I turned it on, and let me just say this. Most of you, I don't know about most of you, but some of you would have been very offended by this music. Okay? Because it was pretty, what I would call, advanced level rock and roll. Yeah. 
I personally liked it. Okay, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that right now. I thought it was good music. It would have been the kind of music I'd be listening to today if I was a, not really wanting to follow the Lord. And You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying it was bad. It's very spiritual music. Some people have said they're Christians that just play music in the world. Some people say they're non-Christians who are very spiritual-minded people. Okay? But I listened to it, you know, I, you know how that rock music is sometimes. You can't really hear everything you're saying because of music. Music's good. So I went on the Internet and got the, to, uh, got the words to the music. And, here, and then I listened to it with the words. It's pretty, pretty profound. This is what it says. First one, hey, Mr. Seeker. Hold on to this advice. Mr. Seeker, hold on to this advice. If you are Mr. or Mr. Seeker this morning, this is good advice for you. If you keep seeking, you will find. Wow. Boy, that's got to be the Lord. Then he said this. And I knew the Lord was speaking to me personally. Don't want to follow down roads been walked before? The road everybody goes down. See, in my Christianity, and I think a lot of you, Christianity, you're not interested in what everybody else is doing. I'm not interested in doing what the popular thing is out there. You know, I don't want to walk down those roads. Then it says this, it's so hard to find unopened doors. You know, that's the, the Christianity that I want to live, is look for those unopened doors that God wants to open, that not, nobody else is seeing these unopened doors. It's hard to find them. It's hard to worship God like that. You're looking for something that everybody else is not doing. You're looking for something that's spiritual that only God can open up to you. Then it says, are you ready? Are you ready? That sort of thing. Then it switches to the next one. Hey, Mr. Hero. This really got me. Walking a thin, fine line under the microscope of life. See, you get this thing on you like you think you're doing something and everybody's looking at you and watching everything you're doing. Then it says this, Remember your roots, my friend. They're right down below. That really spoke to me. Betsy, because Betsy remembers, if nobody else remembers, I, I gave a message back, I guess November's time frame, about your spiritual roots. You know? <laughs> Remember your roots, my friend. They're right down below. You know, and I have a certain spiritual roots that I think God has really spoken to me about. I think we all either have them or we're developing them. Maybe you're a first-generation Christian in your family and you're developing roots, you know, for those to follow. Cause, then it talks about, it goes back to the heroes, because heroes come and heroes go. People come, people go. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Count down to the change in life that's soon to come. Your life has just begun. Your life has just begun. Now, that's a prophetic word. That was a real word for me personally because those, a lot of that in there really spoke to me, things I had thought about, things I had went over in my heart. And see, I think that's something that God's trying to say to the church today. You know, Chuck, that was pretty, what he did was getting everybody to shift, change, let's change. Let's don't stay the same. Let's progress forward. Let's go on into what God has for us. Let's don't stay in yesterday. And if God, if you get offended in the change, you you know, that was like the Lord was rebuking me for having this, you know, you're not a hero. 
heroes come and go, baby. You know, you're just a person. You know, just remember your roots. That's all I want you to do. Stay true to who you are. Don't try to be a hero. Just do what's true to you. Remember who I made you. Remember what I did in your life. Remember the desires I put in your heart. And one of the desires that God put in my heart right from the start is I really wanted to be in God's presence. To me, that's what was important about church was God's presence, nothing else. If I could just get His presence. And one of my personal visions for my life is to be able to help people by saying, look, here's God's presence over here. I would want to grab Him and just throw Him in His presence and they're taken care of. Because the thing that changed my life was when I I touched God's presence. From that moment on, my life was not the same. I gave, I did, at that point, you can have it all, Lord. I gave my Isaac to God because I found something that was better than my Isaacs. You hear what I'm saying? That's where real worship comes from. We encounter this presence of this almighty, wonderful God and everything in you that you desire in your life is suddenly answered at that moment and you spend the rest of your life looking for that presence rest of your life. And it'll take you down some roads that nobody else wants to go. It'll take you to some doors that are not open that you've got to stand there and wait and wait and wait and wait and wait and say, I know behind that door is God. I'm just waiting on Him to open it. And I'm willing to wait on it. If, and everybody else may be pushing through the other door that's wide open, but I don't want to go through that door. I want to go through this one over here because this is the one where I'm going to find Him. That's the way God has called us to live our Christian life. You hear what I'm saying to you this morning? That's the way He's called us to live our Christian life. That's, to me, is what real worship really is. Amen? So, we need to stand up and I'll just pray. We'll just, uh, we want to pray for people this morning also. If you have any needs, we want to pray for healing. Um, you know, we want to pray for people who may feel like that I believe the Lord's may have spoke to some people this morning, actually. You're challenged by the Lord about your worship life and challenged by God about what's important to you. And we would like to be able to pray for you. So if we could have the ministry team be able to come stand up at the front and we will, you know, have them just lay hands on you and sickness or whatever in your life.